I just rewatched Akira. How was that wonderful movie? Oh god, that movie that movie drags on more than I, I remembered that it did. Oh, you wanna watch some Peter Jackson to get that bad taste out of your mouth? Oh god, no. <laughs> Cause that's like even at two hours it's it's still half the length of Return of the King. Well, Return of the King had more exciting things happening at the same time though. That's true. Wait, Neil gave props to I Peter don't Jackson. I, I don't hate Peter Jackson. I just think his movies are too fucking long. <laughs> Not just too long, too fucking long. This movie, it needs four endings. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, it sure seemed like it. I'm like, about a half hour before Return of the King ended, I'm like, okay, here's the end of the movie. Here's here's where when they uh, rescue him from uh, from the volcano and he wakes up in the, in the bedroom and there's all his friends. I'm like, That's the end of the movie, and then it just kept going. You know and what? Then, Peter Jackson at least showed the restraint to not do the battle for the Shire. Yeah, and then and then the king gets crowned. I'm like, okay, this is the end of the movie, and then it keeps going. Okay, he's they're back at the Shire. This is the end of the movie. It keeps going. God damn it. Yeah. So who was Don Messick in Transformers? He was Gears. He was Ratchet. Casey Kasem. He, Casey Kasem was Cliff Jumper and Blue Streak. And John Stevenson. He was. I I know who. He, he was Huffer and Windcharger. And Ray Burton. Think, you're, you're cutting me off before I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm like, I was still going on all of these. <laughs> John Stevenson was also uh, uh, Thundercracker. Corey Burton, well, that was that was uh, uh, Shockwave. He was Spike. And I think he was Braun. Because on, on Netflix, they have Transformers on it now. And they list Chris Lotta, Corey Burton, John Stevenson, C. Kasem, and Don Messick. Not Peter Cullen. Who is now retroactively a big star. And Frank Welker. <laughs> well, Frank Welker was a big star. Yeah, I know. But back then, like, neither one of them were really, like, headliners like they would be now. Can't Frank Welker not do the, the Fred voice anymore? He's too old now or something like that? I remember something like that. No, he, he his voice pretty much is the Fred voice. It just sounds noticeably old. Uh. Yeah, he sounds kind of wispy as Fred now. I haven't heard him do Fred in years. If you find the most up-to-date Scooby-Doo cartoon, I'm pretty sure it's still him. Okay, let's see here. We have uh, okay. Let's let's let me keep quizzing you because you're pretty good at this. Uh, Michael Bell. That would be Prowl, and I think he's one of the Constructicons, but I don't know which. And he's Swoop. Arthur Berghart. Oh, that's he's Destro on on GI Joe. On Transformers, I don't recall. Morgan Laughling. I don't know. Okay, I'm reading this off the G.I. Joe page, not the Transformers page, by the way. But oh. uh, Yeah, I don't know a lot of the G.I. Joe casting. Okay. Libby Audrey. Aubrey. Buster Jones. He was Blaster on Transformers, and I think he was Doc on G.I. Joe. Wow, they, sh- they have Flint and uh, Duke. Yeah, on the G.I. Joe page, they have Flint, Duke, Scarlet, uh, Roadblock, and... And Snake Eyes is the characters on the page. Oh, wow. The gem box art looks epically not like the show. Of course not. Because if they used the art from the show, it was no one would watch it. Yeah. Like, what's this shit? Speaking of art, speaking of art, the art, the box art for, for Robin the Dreamweavers is a lie, isn't it? It totally is. <laughs> oh, when are we getting that? When are we getting that, that DVD, Neil? I emailed Kitty Hawk a few days ago. I was like, how do we get this? But I haven't gotten a reply yet. She did say she was going to watch it soon. So I was talking to her through her uh, Montrose chat. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, she hasn't seen it yet. I showed her that YouTube video saying this is the first time that a clip came up for this in years. And it came out a couple days ago. Wow. And she wasn't responsible for it. I thought, oh, Kitty Hawk, are you responsible for this coming up? She's like, no. She's like, oh, God, this is bad. I'm always afraid of watching this now. Aren't you? A bit. 80s Filmation Pinocchio. This did not. I remember that. Was it really him trying to be Disney? Yeah, I think it was. Let me find and then he decided he wanted to be Bakshi. It's so weird how... You know what? I'm going to say it. Bakshi is a shit animator, too. He's not He's not good. He's not on the level of Jones or Clampett or, or Freeling or any of those guys. He, he, he is a shit animator. 
I mean, I mean, I mean, freaking Plague Dogs looks better than his shit, and Plague Dogs is terrible. Have you ever seen Plague Dogs? I've seen bits and pieces of it. Isn't Plague Dogs terrible? It's a movie that I definitely never want to see. He did he, the, the the guys that did Plague Dog Plague Dogs did another one about rabbits. Yeah, uh, Watership Down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Plague Dogs is often referred to as Watership Down with dogs. <laughs> Watership it, Down is notorious for being just black as tar. And? And that's pretty much all I could describe it as. It's just like a downer from beginning to end. It's like watching Thumper getting brutally raped. <laughs> Isn't there like this one part where they show like a, a rabbit like chewing another rabbit's head off and it's like it shows like this still shot of the rabbit's head like... You know, the rabbit with his very secret, like, I've with the blood dripping from its teeth and all that? I don't ever want to see that movie. But you have seen it, though. I've seen parts of it. But you know the scene I'm talking about, right? No, and I don't want to see it. Okay. These are movies I never want to see. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007. Starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. All right. Uh, hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, this is your host, Ben, joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. Tetsuo! Kanina! And tonight we're talking about the two biggest art house animated movies of all time. We're starting with Akira, yeah. which people just love, but they don't know why. Well, first of all, I got to give props to the animation just to get it out of the way. The animation is, for even for its time, for how it's aged, it's aged very well. It is astonishingly good. Now, as far as the content of the film... Uh, I, I have a even today I've seen this movie about ten times maybe and I still have a hard time really describing what the plot is. I mean it I'll attempt to describe it. There's there's a gang of bikers who go out chasing another gang of bikers and there's this swooshing motion with, with the tail lights and they run into this like little psychic kid and then uh I don't know, some stuff happens. There's a there's a freedom fighting group that uh where the main character, Kaneda, he falls in love with one of with this girl who's part of them, and uh, toward the end, he's like, uh, his Tetsuo! yeah, yeah, his friend gets captured and put in this like hospital for for psychic kids, and he escapes, and you have you have Kaneda going Tetsuo, Tetsuo, and Tetsuo goes Kaneda, Tetsuo, Kaneda, Turtle Power. <laughs> and then uh yeah Tet- tetsuo turns into uh vegeta and then he turns into a muscly blob. blob and then uh he creates a small universe and vanishes i think i don't know well to me what i remember is that uh, the tiny tiny anime section at the, the local blockbuster had only about five choices mm-hmm. and this is one of them and I remember people at work, at school, high school, always talking about how great Akira was. I'm like, let's see it. And it was boring as fuck. Yeah, it's one of these, really, I, I think it's one of the most pretentious movies. It, it didn't disappoint me as much as Ghost in the Shell did, but it's kind of, I don't know. It's, it, takes, it takes the uh, the sort of space utopia setting that I love and just makes it, it doesn't do anything fun with it. It's just kind of... It's one of these dark stories I just don't think are very interesting. What about, what about the, to me, the biggest thing is, you know, you know, clown gangs in the future and all that, and, hey, where's Batman? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, 
Were they even called the Jokers, or were they just the Clown Gang? They, they people just call them the Clown Gang, but yeah. <laughs> well, in, in Batman Beyond, it's the Jokers, but yeah, it's a. I just had to throw it in there. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's lots of great animation. I can definitely see why this is an animators animator movie. Basically, this is this is a movie where animators can go and say, "Hey, that's a great technique. Hey, that's a great technique. Hey, that's a great technique." But when we talk about story, it's like, "What?" Yeah, I did have a little bit easier time watching it this last time, just because I have the the newer Pioneer dub. I don't have the it's not it's not a streamlined pictures dub, but they 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 distributed it. It was it was done by someone the, else. I know the one you're talking about, but yeah, yeah it, the whole thing was was just not that great. I mean, it's part of the problem to me is this: it's a uh, you know you, you're trying to do this existentialism bullshit, and then you have the you, then you have this psychic battle on top of a giant glowing ball with, with, with teleportation and key blasts and all this shit. It's like no, you pick one or the other. <laughs> you, you don't do both. What, what is this? <laughs> Neil, I know, and it goes on for too long. It, it you know, I thought I thought the movie was going to end when when uh, he was doing his rampage through the, through the city, and they and then and then Kaneda confronted him on top of the giant ball, whatever the hell that was, and uh, and and then the satellite starts shooting at them. I thought I thought it was gonna I thought I was within ten minutes of the movie ending, but no, it goes on for another half an hour. It seems like it seems like the very last scene where they're at the football field. It's just kind of like this superfluous scene. It's like, why yeah, couldn't this have been resolved 30 minutes earlier? See, see, to me, the, the biggest thing is when you have Kaneda fighting Tetsuo with the laser gun on, on his motorcycle. And, and you know, it seems like, oh, this is the climax. And then all of a sudden, it's like the, the military is like, well, fuck this noise. We're just going to blast them with an orbital satellite. You know, they, they blast Tetsuo's fucking arm off. And Tetsuo's like, well, fuck this shit. I just went Super Saiyan. He jumped out of space with a force field holding air for him. It blows up the fucking satellite and builds a robo arm with his brain. I'm like, okay, you just jumped like several levels there. Bullshit. I wonder if Akira Toriyama saw this movie because this is the same year that Dragon Ball Z started, and it was like it was a number of episodes before Vegeta showed up. So well, you gotta remember the manga was out first, and that's true. Well, actually, both of the mangas were out first. <laughs> Uh, this is starting to get a little money. Anyways, uh, hmm. <laughs> anyways, very interesting. Like I said, it it just didn't have an idea of scale. It's just, it's just, it's like it felt like the writers are going like, and then and then a set, and then the fucking military comes with laser guns, but Tetsuo is stronger, and then the fucking orbital satellite blasts him, but Tetsuo is stronger. I'm like. You could just see them like doing the storyboards and they're describing it to each other, and then they're like, "Yeah, yeah," and then this happens, and boom, and, like they're making explosion noises to each other, and they're just they're just falling so in love with what they're doing and sucking each other's dick, and it's like, well, 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 to me, it's like a, I'm kind of confused on one part, and maybe the newer dub explains it, but uh, but you know the ugly psychic kids, the baby, the old baby kids, or something, yeah. You know the part where they have like the Kaneda's girlfriend fighting Tetsuo. To me, it felt like you know they were just using her like a puppet to fight him. But I was told that no, she's actually helping them fight him or something like that. I, I never really understood that. And that you know, in the dub I saw, it didn't explain that. Did the new dub explain that whole bullshit? Not that I remember. But you know uh, what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Speaking of things that were kind of uh, hard to Vague. understand, yeah, the, the older dub I think is harder to understand like i said i didn't quite understand it until i saw this version and even then i'm i'm still like what but uh actually there's there's a there's a reason why the movie was kind of confusing back in in with the original dub it's because uh whoever whoever was doing the uh uh doing the rewrite for the movie uh kind of screwed up in a couple spots like there's in the last half hour of the movie uh the character k or kai whatever her name is She's wearing Kaneda's jacket, and I I haven't found the scene yet, but Carl Masick says that there's a scene in there where she says a line that's for Kaneda, or, or the voice actor for Kaneda says her line, because whoever was writing that looked at the film and was like, oh, it's Kaneda's jacket, therefore that character is Kaneda. And uh, 
Carl Masick said that it was it's something that's always bothered him, and I, I haven't found the scene, but then I don't I don't have the VHS anymore. Got rid of that real quick. Yeah, so it was it was kind of a a slop job in the first place. Yeah, like I said, you, you didn't understand the whole fight scene where, where she's doing the fighting, and you didn't understand that either. The newer dub didn't clarify that because that always confused the fuck out of me. Yeah, I thought I thought that they were just using her to fight like a puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't get the the context of she's helping. I thought that 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 whenever they uh, it was it was the one girl that was controlling her, and I I always thought that uh, whenever she she took over the character K kind of went away. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, it it was just totally. I thought they were using her as a puppet, and that's why that was happening. And then this whole thing, oh, Akira is the first psychic kid, like, from years and years ago, and, you know, he evolved to a point where we are, like, amoeba to him or something like that. I, I never understood that. And then, oh, and, and then, you know, with the giant sphere of Ophir, you know, Tetsuo's going to bring Akira back or something like that. And then and then all of a sudden they show, like, an explosion and a flash of Akira, and then, you know, Kaneda, and then Tetsuo, and then, oh, it's a brand new day. And it's like, Okay, where anywhere is like the, the it, it doesn't surprise me that one of the guys responsible for Mass Effect Three said Akira was one of his favorite animes. I was thinking about that because I saw I saw the character Akira show up at the end. I'm like, oh, it's like it's like the the ghost kid at the end of Mass Effect Three. <laughs> yeah, like if, in case you don't know, one of the guys responsible for Mass Effect Three answered one of his tweets saying, oh, my favorite anime movies are Ghost of the Shell, Akira. And it's like, well, okay, that explains a lot. Yeah, and you brought up you brought up the Amoeba thing. That whole scene where Kaneda and, I think they're locked up, Kaneda and Kay are locked up, and she's just rambling on about, about evolution and how Amoebas do this and people do that and blah, blah, blah. And it was, I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> I'm like, it's not science. I know that. Yeah, it's not science. It's not even philosophy. It's just plain old bullshit. It'd be better if they said, well, it's the magic in your brain that just gets stronger when you get smarter. Yeah, this is this is what I'm referring to when I say when when I describe the bad anime is the is the stuff that just kind of like jerks off to pseudo philosophy. It, but you know what? If it went totally philosophy, I'd kind of be okay with it. With okay, it's its own thing. But it, it's throwing in the Dragon Ball Z shit. That that that's like okay. You pick one or the other. You either philosophize or you do fighting. You, you don't just say, oh, we can do both because then you're the Matrix. Oh wait, it's the Matrix, and and the guy at the center of it all is the Prince of All Saiyans. <laughs> oh God. He is the whole time. I'm like, it's Vegeta. Well, you know what? You could you could have the part at the end where Tetsuo says, "Is it over?" <laughs> and then all the psychics' heads blow up, and it's like that would actually make it better. You, yeah, you could do it. You could do the ending of Matrix Matrix fucking Revolution, and it would make a better movie. <laughs> Which I is kind of sad. Yeah, because the ending of Matrix Revolution made no sense. No, it didn't. Is it over? How much did they pay that guy? I feel bad because he's a damn good actor. It's yeah. like, no, no. Yeah, you're talking about uh, Cam Clark. Yeah. Yeah, Cam Clark, who was also, he was Max Sterling from Robotech and, of course, Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles. And in the Pioneer dub, it's Johnny Young Bosch. Who is, I believe he's the second Black Ranger. Oh, God. Of, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So we traded. The Asian Black Ranger. Yeah, so we traded uh, a Ninja Turtle for a Power Ranger. But here, here's the other thing that made me laugh about the cast choice. The character K in the in the uh, the original dub. It's not Streamline dub, I almost said that. Distributed by Streamline. Yeah, in the original dub, she is uh, voiced by Laura Cody. In the Pioneer dub, she's voiced by Wendy Lee. So she was voiced by the Dirty Pair. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> that is so wrong. That is so weird. I'm like, oh, I've heard these two voices together somewhere. <laughs> Russian Roulette. But, yeah, it's... <laughs> to, to me, though, the... Uh... 
Akira is just like I said, if you want to watch a movie as an animator's animator, just to see techniques, mm-hmm. turn the sound off and just observe techniques. Yeah. And what's weird about Akira is that it's one of the very few uh, animes that has a a pre-recorded voice track. They actually sync the lips in the animation to the original Japanese uh, vo- voice acting, whereas. Usually what you see in Japanese animation is the mouths just flap and they always post-track the, the audio. Here it's pre-tracked. Yeah, it's a, it's actually quite an interesting uh, production. Yeah, I think what they were going for is an American-looking movie and they kind of succeeded at it. I mean... In well, the, the funny the funny thing is they were definitely going with American stuff, with especially the military imagery, the motorcycle stuff, because, you know, in Japan before the, the Kira... The, when you when you talk about you know you had these you had these dinky looking Honda motorcycles that looked more like a scooter than a motorcycle before Akira came out and then all of a sudden Akira came out I was like oh my god we got to build like choppers <laughs> I'm telling well, the truth too it's, well what I, what I was referring to is that uh, in in the very earliest part of the movie when they're when the street gangs are riding around there's there's like a a uh, a display window with a TV in it, and it's showing like a, a like a dog food commercial. And the animation in this commercial in the movie is animated in a very American way. And I've noticed I noticed that a lot of the animation in the rest of the movie kind of has American ticks in it too. I mean, it's it's much more fluid than than regular anime would be. I think they were really going for something like Don Bluth or Walt Disney on this. And in some place, in other places, it kind of goes back to the old anime stylings, but it's pretty smooth. It's much more smooth than what I would normally attribute to anime. There's, I always hold the theory that there's three reasons why this movie is popular in with Americans of my generation, and it has nothing to do with the quality of the animation. Really? It's because it has three things: tits, cursing, and blood. Well, that could be, but it was very, it was very arresting back when this came out. It was just like. Holy shit! Because you have to remember, this came out in like 1989 in America. Yeah. And, uh, at that time, I don't think The Little Mermaid had even come out yet, so we were really in a rut as far as animation went. Yeah, that's true, but still, that's no excuse. I know. And yeah, this this movie is just. What was the last guy you saw that talked talked about Akira? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't talked to anyone about it in a while, just because. It's kind, of, it's kind of faded. The, in, it's kind of faded into obscurity, which is kind of. I don't know if it's sad or not that it has. It's just kind of. Uh, it was really hot for a while, and then people just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, it's, it's to, to me though. It's it's sort of like when people talk about comics wise Watchmen, like oh my god, Watchmen's like the greatest graphic novel ever. It's it's just perfect. It, it it's the Bible. Yeah, there's this one guy who was an idiot who talked about how Watchmen's the Bible. I'm like, no, it isn't. Watchmen is a free therapy session of the writer. He said as much. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the thing. It, it, it's just like with comic books out. The same level of, of reverence people treat Watchmen is what people treat Akira with. Like, It's this holier thing that you can't judge or, or take apart or, or redo or anything like that. If they do a live-action Akira movie, I won't oh. see it. It'll probably be shit, but I'd be happy that it's made because it... it because it's it's almost like you know it's it's almost like it's almost like throwing paint on, on a fur coat. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. It, I, it, 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 it's like it's like uh, desecrating a, the sacred cow. I, I I just you know what I mean. I don't know. Part of me says that this movie doesn't. Really it, it, it's like getting Liam Neeson into Battleship the movie. God. Part of me says that this movie doesn't really need any attention drawn to it. it even back in the day, I was kind of thinking, you know, there are a lot of better movies that really got overlooked because of this one. Even movies made by the same guy. I mean, the director, Katsuhiro Otomo, he wrote and directed this, but he also wrote another movie called Raujin Z, which I think is a better movie. A hundred times better. And it's because much. It's, it's, because it's 80 minutes. Yeah, it's 80 minutes, and it takes the same general setting, which is kind of this. Uh, technologically advanced future and just it it doesn't get pretentious with it it just rolls with it and has fun with it where you have this robotic bed that's running rampage through a city 
and it's made for you to laugh at it. It's not like trying to make you think about the philosophical implications of 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 what the uh, of what the government military action is doing and how it clashes with the with the scientists and what they believe and all this crap that really is boring and is really the dragon. Yeah, it really has plagued anime for far too long. Yeah, like uh, Serial Experiment, Experiment Lane, mm-hmm. which I think is overrated as well, but we're not talking about that one. <laughs> I am TFG1 Mike, and you should be listening to my very first podcast, the TFG1 Podcast. 24 episodes covering the entire U.S. run of the 1984 Transformers cartoon. I also have a few supplemental episodes and an interview with Stan Bush. I bring in guest hosts who will be full-time co-hosts in Steve Megatron and fan of the show now co-host Pecan Court Michael. So check out the TFG1 podcast. You can find it on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Transform and roll out. Let's talk about Ghost in the Shell. Oh, God. You want to talk about and just... An existential snooze fest. This movie, this movie actually pisses me off because that's the sounds. Actually, I I watched this last night. I don't remember a single Basset Hound. I know I said that the first time we talked about it. I said, "Oh, it's Ocean and his goddamn dogs." But uh, I was like, "Oh, there wasn't a single dog in this movie." Did he have that, like long long pans over like stuff in the city, like like faucets and stuff? Or yeah, as as much as uh, Akira kept stuff moving and it was very fluid this movie would just stop and and it just i remembered it being longer but it was actually shorter than akira it's only like 85 minutes and that's another thing that's going to tie into the theme of this movie is uh how how we remember things and how things really are because this movie is one of these pseudo philosophical movies that that wrings its hands over over uh existential things and like oh my god you know our our memories may not be what we think they are and all this crap it's like please you know our our memories they change and and get distorted all the time every time we remember something we distort our our own memories i mean you you probably experienced this yourself ben where you know you you think of a, a scene in a movie and you remember it a certain way and you're like oh this scene was so funny and and so great, and here's exactly how the guy delivered the line, and my god, I loved it. And then you go see it, and it's not quite how you remember it. This That's is true. normal. This is normal. It happens all the time. Well, well to me, to me though, the, the funny thing is this. The Ghost in the Shell started as a manga by yeah. a guy who, before he did Ghost in the Shell, did lots of uh, hentai work. Yeah. And you can totally tell. And and the story is 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 the major, is is a full-body prosthetic, uh, you know, you know, cyborg and uh, and it's it's nothing but like lots of lesbian sex and 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 and, and gunfights and it's just nothing but action and sex and then all of a sudden here's this existential crisis movie it's like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's oshi trying to to sound philosophically deep and asking stupid questions that really don't deserve any serious consideration i mean like i said it, it was the whole thing about our memories and our our, our, if our memories define us, then who are we if our memories get distorted? And there's some, there's like a scene in the movie where this guy has, has memories implanted into him and he discovers that the, the wife and kid that he thought he had don't actually exist. And, and it just, it's one of these movies that expects us to just kind of like rock back and forth, like, oh no, what if this really happened? And it's like, you know, this is really isn't as, serious as like this movie plays it out to be yeah and, and like i said it's just in the, the sad thing to me though is every future facet that goes from the shell you know it the original manga had some of that existentialism in it too but but it mostly was just sex and gunfights so but uh, you know the uh, you know everything in the future in the, of the franchise goes back to that primarily you know no more no more of the of the fun gunfights and, and the lesbian stuff it's that's all gone yeah, and as fucked up as it is to have memories implanted in you and, ha- and being being uh, traumatized by discovering that someone you love doesn't actually exist, you know, I don't see why you c- we couldn't just say that we could deal with that the same way we deal with distorted memories like we do all the time. I mean, you know it's, what? I, it's, I saw Total Recall and they did that. I, that's where I was going with this. <laughs> Consider yeah, it the voice. 
Total Recall played with the themes of this movie and did it in a much more fun way. Where well, it, it had it had Michael Ironside. Where it and, I, and Arnold. It inserted it inserted like a whole false history into Arnold Schwarzenegger's head, and essentially it created a whole new person. New person, yeah. Yeah, because you know, like like the theme of the movie is, you know, our memories define who we are. So he gets a whole new set of memories and a whole new personality, and it's and it's this new version of the character who's fighting for his right to exist, and and they're trying and some I don't I haven't seen Total Recall in a long time. Someone's trying to put the old memories back. Yeah. And at the end, of course, the spoiler the the good guy version of Arnold lives, and the old the bad version doesn't ever come back. And Mars gets an atmosphere and something, and there's yes. a three boob chick. <laughs> I knew you'd go there, Neil. But but yeah, the uh, and it's such a shame that they're remaking that too. But uh, yes, Neil, they are. And I know. And like I said, Totally Recall handled it better because and you know the funny thing is it was a, a what was the name of the the writer uh, Philip Dick Dick or something like that. But you Philip know is it what Philip K Dick? Yeah, famous famous science fiction writer who does lots. You know, he also did uh, he also. Did he also do the Blade Runner original story? I think he did, yeah. Yeah, and and you know Blade Runner is a lot more existential than that, but you know Philip K. Dick knows how to have fun with it. You know he he wrote he wrote the Total Recall for crying out loud. Yeah, it's amazing how Philip K. Dick is much more influential on on the type of anime that I really like than this sort of crap. And uh, yeah, one more thing about the philosophy angle on this is that. If you've ever seen The Simpsons, there's there's one episode where Lisa Simpson says something about the sound of one hand clapping, and it's supposed to be one of those pseudo-philosophical <laughs> questions that you're not really supposed to have an answer to, and those always piss me off. I hate I hate. But Bart had an answer. I know. I hate these pompous questions that that are open-ended and aren't really supposed to have answers because it's not thought-provoking. It's it's designed to arrest thought. That's that's what pisses me off about it, and. Bart Simpson goes, well, here's the sound of one hand clapping, and he does that. And if <laughs> if you saw that and you cheered for Bart in that scene, you understand why I hate Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> yeah, it's a, but like I said, it 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 just is a. In the funny thing is, the movie tried to get a lot more sexual in some parts in ways that the original ser- the original manga and the later series never did, like uh, the ther- like the thermal camouflage. Mm-hmm. In the manga, the clothing also does it too. But in this movie, they're like, "Oh no, the major has to get buck naked to use it." It's like, <laughs> actually, she wasn't naked. It was like a flesh-colored bodysuit because you could see the neckline and you could see it wrinkling whenever she would at any joint that bent. So I did. She, I didn't freeze frame it, Neil. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't have to freeze frame <laughs> it. But they did. They did make sure to have have the shape of the nipples carefully animated so that even though you didn't see the nipples, you saw them poking uh, through the fabric. I thought they were going for a one-tone thing when, when I saw it, though. But Well, yeah, if you watch it again, you'll be like, oh, that's a suit. So it's not – yeah, I remembered it as being naked, too, and that's another example. But I remember she was taking off her jacket and her pants, and I'm like, oh. So the thermal camera she has to get naked for. Oh, they yeah. added this just to add some titillation to get some more kids to watch it because, oh, it's more blood, tits, and sex. Yeah, that's another example of our memories not being exactly how we remember them. <laughs> oh, my God. Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> and why the subject of this movie is not really as uh, as, I am as, it, as it makes it out to be. Two weeks. <laughs> Sorry. That movie's great. It's actually one of the most quotable Arnold movies ever. Much better than Predator. Yes. You think I'm an illusion? I'm not. Yeah, I just kind of roll my eyes whenever I see these these pompous existentialist movies. And I'm like, you know, stuff stuff like this was handled better in Total Recall. Even Star Trek. Like, there's, there's the one Next Generation episode where uh, some sort of transporter malfunction produced a second uh, uh, Riker. Yeah. Produce, yeah, and uh, and you know, someone who who has this idea of like an existential crisis would be like, oh my god, which one is the original Riker? And it's like, well, both and neither, because once once they deviate, you know, they essentially become two different people at that point. So it's not like 
there's a real one and a false one. It's like as soon as their experiences start start producing different memories that are unique from one another, they're essentially different people. And right. there's no reason why we should wring our hands over this and, and have these profound philo- philosophical debates over it. It's just like it's as simple as that. It's like don't, you know, go have a hamburger and stop worrying about it. Well, it's like the episode of Futurama where, where they go to the sewer and the mutants say, well, perhaps you live in a sewer. And, uh, and, and Friday says, nope, got sky and everything. Yeah. Well, that's more of a response to uh, The Matrix, which was inspired by this fucking movie. <laughs> God, I, I hate The Matrix more than I hate Ghost in the Shell. Cause at least, what about the Animatrix? I don't know. I haven't seen it. But at least Ghost in the Shell had sort of had the cool technology I lo- that I like. Like the, the thermal uh, cloaking suit that she had, that was cool. That was kind of the stuff that I liked from, uh, from Dirty Pair. I liked the sort of kind of imaginative technology where we can't really describe how it works, but boy, it would be cool if we had something that actually did this. And I thought that was neat. I I like it whenever they have just like way out technology that does cool shit like that. Yeah, I don't really like the the hand wringing and the like. And the gee, our dice smart. We actually live in a box, and the box is our memories. The box is the world itself. The box is our concepts of good and evil. The box is it's like no, we aren't living in a box. <laughs> You just want to feel like you're bigger than you are, so that's why I come up with this shit. That's my answer. Mm-hmm. And to uh, to just sort of sum things up a bit more, the whole answer about uh, why these movies are revered is is very simple. It's it's when you ask someone who just raves about these two movies, either of these two movies, you always get the same kind of answers. Why do you like it? You never hear anything about oh the animation is just fantastic or, or the story is great. It, it's 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 always something else like. Uh, it's like the reviewer trying to pump himself up like, well, I can understand this because of this. Because, because you know, my vast intellect as a movie reviewer is, oh, oh, this this speaks about the, the truths and, and lies in, in our own existence. And we we all see reviewers like that. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's why these reviewers say such great things about this movie. Yeah. And for the record, the uh, the major is not that hot in this movie. No, she wasn't. She had kind of this uh, mannish thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it wasn't that she looked mannish. It was just they took like this really kind of cool hairstyle that she had in the manga and just I don't know they they just made it look like this kind of mop on top of her head. I don't yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. Standalone complex did a much better job with her design, I think. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, you have this. You have this artist, um, uh, Masamune Shiro. That he's named after the sword from Final Fantasy IV. He's this great artist, and he also did art for other for other mangas, and which got uh, turned into anime, such as uh, uh, Dominion Tank Police and Appleseed. And those I generally like better than this. Uh, Appleseed, not so much, but uh, uh, I did like Dominion Tank Police and. <laughs> obviously what else did he do um actually the funny thing is that i didn't think i actually had a dvd of this and then i remember that somebody got me for my birthday a few years ago the masamune shiro box set which is really just a bootleg and on it it has uh apple seed gundress black magic m66 dominion tank police and ghost in the shell and it's all really badly compressed and that's how i watched this <laughs> and uh but yeah, uh, actually, I don't think I've actually watched Gundress or Black Magic. I might, I might have to watch those later. But yeah, even if you want to watch this for the fan service, just just watch, you know, standalone complex because the animators did a much better service to the characters' design. Yeah, and you don't have the Oshi pretentiousness in it. There's still some of it. Yeah. It's not Oshi directly, but there is pretentious existentialism in it. It, it. Like I said, it's infected the core of Ghost in the Shell now, and. And you know, there's still some, there's still some of the lesbianism and all that, but it's most of it's, you know, you yes. know. We we've all seen the pages online of uh, of the boat scene from the manga. <laughs> yes, I'm on a boat. Yeah. But uh, what other notes we have about both of these movies, Neil? It's or do you think we pretty much tore these both pretty well? I, just just comparing it to other anime. Uh, back when we did. The uh, the Blade Runner era of anime, I said I would disqualify 
both of these movies, and I, I hope we've explained why. It's just that these these take the the cyberpunk genre. It it definitely is the cyberpunk genre, but it 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 does it does it in a way that's not nearly as fun. I, I really prefer the sort of uh, cyberpunk universe where it's just it's just a backdrop for a, a more mundane story. Like I kind of I kind of like the idea of uh, a private investigator at his desk and. You know, he's just kind of slumped over and with a bottle of booze in his hand. And, and then in through the door walks some floozy who's nothing but trouble, who needs him to find her her, uh, her ex-husband or something. And outside there are cars flying around and, you know, it's this Neo-Tokyo setting. And I, I really like that. I like the idea of having something that's familiar but set in in the future and in a fun future, not this sort of pretentious future where it's, we're corporations and yeah, we're corporations. private militaries and, and corporations and are evil and uh, and uh, the technology we're coming up with might be deadly or something like that. It will it would it will change the human condition to the point where where one would have to would have to question what is what is life and and yeah. what is existence and and see the the funny thing to me is the the Simpsons not the Simpsons but Futurama treated the joke of what is existence. In the episode with Bender getting his upgrade, in a much more humorous mm-hmm. note, where where Bender's like, "Oh, where we're basically where Bender's doing the existentialism que- questioning because he had like the whole episode is, takes place in Bender's brain, mm-hmm. and then and then Bender finishes the upgrade. He's like, "Wait, did that all happen? I was on an island, and and, and the and the technician's like, "Oh, the upgrade's different for everyone." And but Bender's <laughs> like, "Well, how do I know this isn't this isn't simulated too?" And, and the technician's like, "No, it's not. Go ahead." <laughs> Yeah, you have to trust that the world around you is real because you have to. I mean, there's there you don't really have a choice. And because if you if you question the reality that exists, you know, you essentially become inert. You you become catatonic and you know, you're like, I don't know what's real and what isn't. If I sit down, will I just pass through the chair? Well, will I will I wake up in a different world tomorrow? Nobody does this and it's because you can't. Well, you know, it's like the Truman Show delusion. You know about that. This is a real medical condition, Neil. What is it? Basically, what happens is people believe that they are on a reality TV show that's a secret that is being filmed and everyone they know are actors. <laughs> you know, I, I have I have toyed with that idea, but it's 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 more of a fun sort well, of Well, let me put it this way. There's a, there's, a, there's a patient that was an Army veteran in, in the upper mole class. That that wanted to claim the, the Statue of Liberty, believing that doing so would release him from his show, and he, and this this and he says that he believed that if he climbed to the top, he will meet his high school girlfriend and he would be freed from his own personal Truman show, and his his quote about that was, "I realized that I was and am the center, the focus of attention by millions and millions of people. My family and everyone I do were it, and are actors in a script, a charade whose entire purpose is to make." Me, the world, focus of the world's attention. Wow. And uh, yeah, actually, one guy, one guy traveled to New York City after 9/11 to make sure that that was not a personal plot twist in his own Truman Show. <laughs> Just to make sure the towers are really down. It's it's. Oh man. That just proves Americans have way too much time on their hands. Yeah, I mean, if you if you kind of. If you kind of think of that sort of thing as like a fun mental exercise, and I guess there's no harm in it, but when you when you start treating it as though this is like a serious philosophical conundrum, when we like, start plotting to climb the Statue of Liberty, get the spelunking equipment, and and going to Ellis Island, you got everything planned out. Then that's when you have to start thinking. Wait a minute. Find something better to do. <laughs> you need a hobby. <laughs> you need a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, it's. And it all starts with Akira. And all of it takes place in a in an autistic kid's brain. <laughs> I think I read somewhere that the episode of Saint Elsewhere was more of a throwaway joke. God, I hope so. That that spiraled out of control when after you know the crossover with with Cheers and the crossover with with Homicide linked both of those series and exponentially all series afterwards. The word, to the point where Frasier takes place in the Law and Order universe. And isn't the Law and Order universe uh, 
Richard Belzer, wasn't he in that show? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, that character is in, God, I don't know how many shows. I'm sure he's been on all four networks, all four major networks. And yeah, he's been, that character was actually in uh, an episode of The X-Files. It's like, oh. And that, that, that's what links The X-Files yeah. into that universe, which links some ever, ever episode, episodes like it links uh, Strange Luck into it, it links uh, The Lone Watchman into it. it it's, it gets crazy after a while. It's I think Smallville's in there somewhere. Man, if they if they ever get like Jenny everywhere involved in that somehow, we're in trouble. Is the only that... open the only open source comic character, Neil. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like if at if... least at least until Oracle picks it up. <laughs> I apologize. Only only software developers will get that joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's a uh, you know. Is reality reality? I don't know. Look down. Make sure you don't have like a, a snake tail or something. If you don't, it probably is. So, and if you don't, if you don't remember a movie exactly how you thought it was, not a big deal. Your brain's just wired that way. Yeah. 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 So, so what is reality? Reality is you should listen to more animation fish and knows. Uh, right. This was our show about Kira and Ghost in the Shell. I'm your host Ben. With TV's Mr. Neil. And we're saying good night. Goodbye. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Oh boy, can't we believe we brought Total Recall? That was awesome. (laughs) Two weeks. Well, I knew that was coming. I didn't. Yeah, because I'm watching watching Ghost in the Shell. I'm like, oh, it has this whole thing about about our memories and all this crap, and I'm like, I'm going to have to bring up uh, Total Recall, because Total Recall did the, sort of the same thing, but it did it in a much more fun way. I am Quaid. Your Hauser. Kohagen. Consider this a divorce. I'll be back in time for cornflakes. This is why I'm watching the TV, but she's trying to make, make me not watch the TV, but you can see that I'm very interested in what's on TV. I know this. <laughs> See, this is this is where I realize it's real. The, the sweat drop, yeah, it's real. <laughs> I need to get that DVD just for that. I would love to watch that. Did you see the trailer for Expendables 2? It looks like Arnold will be playing a bigger role this time. That's good. And did, did you see Norris? I saw Norris. And? I don't know. <laughs> What's the one guy that they're really missing? Hmm... Let's see. Who are the? Uh, who is who's the who is the guy who uh, who's like a who's like a had that cop reality show? Uh, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Is he in the movie? Was he in the first movie? No. Oh wow. So there you go. There's one. No, I wouldn't get him. He's he, because he he would talk about he would talk about gas prices. Oh. You know how I would get? That on black. Yes, Tim. I wonder why he said no. I don't know. He's out of jail, right? He was in jail? Well, for tax evasion. Oh, yeah, that sucks. But here, let's see here. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme was out because because he was uh, a prima donna at first. So it was kind of like Barbie in in the Toy Story movies. Like, we don't want Barbie in your fucking movie. And then it's a hit. They're like, let's have Barbie in the sequel. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, Kurt Russell said no. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, Wesley Snipes, let's see yeah. here. Yeah, Wesley Snipes. That kind of surprised me because I think Wesley Snipes <laughs> is actually a good friend of uh, Chuck Norris. He is. Yeah. 
He was he was out because he didn't pay taxes. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, legal troubles, imprisonment. Let's see here. Forrest Whitaker is not a good choice. I don't know even know why, know why they put him on the list. Oh, I see why. Ghost Dog. Yeah. Which okay. was a shit movie. Wesley Snipes is due for release in July 19, 2013. So, yeah, that's why he's not in the movie. Well, maybe he could be an Expendables 3. Okay, let's see here. Uh, someone actually put fucking 50 Cent on this list. I'm like, because he sucks. We don't need we don't need fifty cent in anything. The, the thing is this, you know what you know what his uh his his, his right his, people always talk about him is what? It's because he got shot nine times. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Steven Seagal's on this list. Why he's out? Seagal does not like Av Lerner. Oh wow. Danny Trejo was not in it because he wasn't asked. Oh, wow. Isn't that sad? You know who Danny Trejo is, right? I recognize the name. Uh, He's the big-ass Mexican guy that throws all the knives in Oh, that. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that guy. The guy who, like, no matter what expression is on his face, he always looks like he's, like... Just about to kill you. Yeah, he always looks like he's about to kill you. <laughs> the funny thing about Danny Trejo is, uh, is that's how people know him. He's the big-ass Mexican... That throws the knives in Desperado. Yeah. And uh, who's, who's the other guy? Uh, Antonio Banderas. Is he on that list? No, because he did Spy Kids. Oh. Well, I think Danny Trejo is in those, too. He is. <laughs> <laughs> but he was in less minutes than Antonio Banderas. <laughs> so was... Uh... Cheech Marin. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking of someone else. Uh, Khan. What's uh, that actor's name? Uh, Ricardo Montalban? Yeah, he was in Spy Kids. Don't remind me. It's like, it's like what's, what's wrong with you people? Why are you in this movie? <laughs> All of you are more badass than this. Even Cheech Marin? Well, okay, <laughs> Cheech has kind of gone downhill. From what? Nash Bridges? <laughs> It's like you were a real badass in Nash Bridges. Now you just went downhill. Is that where you go with the deal? Really? Well, I, I, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't starting with a point of badassery. I just, you know, <laughs> Cheech Marin. The quality of his roles I'm referring to. Uh, okay, okay. So uh, there's not this one secret movie where Cheech Marin was like killing. Actually, he was in Machete. <laughs> you remember? Yeah. As the priest with the two shotguns? Yeah. And he was in uh he was in another Antonio Banderas movie, but he got shot in the forehead. I can't think Desperado. Of Desperado, yeah. That's the only scene from that movie I remember. Just Cheech getting shot in the middle of the forehead. The funny thing is uh, I was asking Pablo who his favorite director was and and we start talking, and I said, hey, "What do you think of Robert Rodriguez?" He says, "Well, of course I know Robert Rodriguez, because because he's 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 a because he's he's a Latin filmmaker." I'm like, "Well, I'm like, well, I don't know every every American filmmaker," so I said back to him, "Oh, <laughs> well, it's true." Are you saying that the, the pool is so shallow that? That anyone who lives in Latin America automatically knows all the Latin American filmmakers. Well, he was implying that I should know all the American ones, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm like, well, I don't. So, so. but the pool is shallow in Latin America. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, it is. I know. I mean, did you see the the, the Latin American the Antonio Banderas movie where he's an evil scientist? No. Okay, he kidnaps his. Uh, Daughter's rapist, and and uh, surgically alters daughter's rapist to look like his daughter, and gives gives this guy like impenetrable skin and falls in love with her. Mm. Okay, it's like the weirdest Antonio Banderas movie ever. Wow, it's called like Tarantula. I don't even know why it's made. I've never seen this. It was only made in Latin America. Never to see it at the light of day. So did you see the Dark Knight Rises trailer? I have not. 
What do you think of The Dark Knight when you saw it? Uh, I like the first 80% of the movie. The last 20 to 30 minutes was just kind of meh. Really? What was the problem with it, you think? Because the end of the movie is like, is like we can't let the truth come out that the that the commissioner went nuts. We have to... The, 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 the uh, prosecutor went nuts, yeah. Yeah, the... the <laughs> oh, I said, yeah, commission, not Commissioner Gordon, obviously, the, the DA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can't, we we can't let the truth get out, so we have to we have to let Batman take the heat. I'm like bullshit. Like I I don't care what kind of uh what kind of sacrifice uh sort of thing you're you're trying to push here. It's it's a subversion of the truth. It, it's like this is this is not a good moral to throw at the end of this movie. Fuck you. So that that kind of pissed me off. But otherwise the movie was pretty good. Has there been any anything released about about the plot of Dark Knight Rises? All we know is the villain is Bane. Um, Catwoman's in it, of course. You, you yeah. saw that. Yeah, and I've, at first was against Anne Hathaway, but then I saw this. I'm like, yeah, she can do it. Yeah, she, she did okay. One of my early theories was that uh, because of how the other movie ended where Batman was basically like, like a, a, a fugitive. Yeah, a fugitive from justice. My, my theory was that Bane would be coming in as the new public hero. Of course, the roles would be reversed, where he's really, you know, a villain, and the real hero is Batman. But that was kind of my theory was that the roles would be reversed, and I don't, I don't know if that's that's still the same. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting if that's how they did it. So, Dark Knight Rises. What do you think? Do you think it would be good? I think it would be pretty good. I mean, we've gotten two good movies out of this guy. I don't see why the third one won't be good. It's not like X Men where they had a whole new director on the third movie, and of course, it sucked. But you know, with with just with just the imagery and and what they were saying in that trailer, the chances of Bruce Wayne dying at the end of this movie are high. Mm. Don't you think so? Possibly. You know, you've given them everything. He says, "Not everything, not yet." I don't know. You don't think so? Mm, I don't know. That's that's kind of a weird one. Well. If you look at all three movies, it, it's the, the 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 message Nolan is pushing is is superherodom is like martyrdom. Mm. You don't think so? It's possible. But I don't know. Not sure. No, I don't. I don't see it. So you're looking forward to Avengers? Um, I don't know when I'm gonna see it, just because I I don't really go to the theater that often. I might just wait for it. To... Oh, you shouldn't wait for it. You should see it. Mm, I'll think about it. It easily blows away the other Marvel movies. I mean, what what part of it worries you, if any? Well, nothing really worries me. I just kind of I'm just kind of frugal with my money these days. Right? Oh, okay. It's not it's not a thought of oh, how are they going to balance all these yeah. actors together and all that? No, it's more like more like eight bucks to see a movie, if it's even that anymore. That adds up after a while. I mean, I don't. I, I go to the movie like maybe once or twice a year. So do I. So I'm very I'm very picky and choosy about what I see. Although I did see the Muppets. And that wasn't any good. Well, it was okay. It, you know, I for, saw it. I I tried seeing it again, and it's then the beginning part doesn't ever get better. Yeah. Well, I saw it with my with my sister's kids, and you know, it's it's a different experience when you know you're surrounded by people laughing at the movie. And then you see it on your own, and you're like, oh, wait, this isn't really that good. Are you going to see Dark Knight Rises this year? Maybe. Just a maybe, huh? Just a maybe. Not sure, huh? Not sure. Well, what are you going to watch? Are, are you just going to stop at the Muppets? No, it's just that I'm, I'm not, like, really a moviegoer. I, you know, I kind of, if I, if I see it come on cable, then I'll watch it on cable. And if someone I know has a copy or... You know, I can get it for a couple bucks on uh, on demand, or, or or Kitty Hawk gets you a DVD of Robin and the Dreamweavers. Oh, geez. Or if I can stream it, you know, then you know I'll watch it then. Robin and the Dreamweavers, Neil. Oh man, I can't believe she got that. Yeah, baby, she's got it. That was terrible. It. You know what I think it is? Why it doesn't look like a, like a Lou Shimer production? It's just because, you know, he had to jump from doing. But he did. Yeah, animation that was done in America for so long, and then he had to jump to uh, overseas animation. And, you know, like I said, 
you know, you can't you can't stand over the artist's shoulder anymore and tell them what to do and have this this exchange of ideas back and forth. Well, that, well the, th- the funny thing to me is, yes, Filmation looks like shit, but he still would have should have seen the the stuff that came back and says, "Hey, stop." But instead of instead of working with someone, you have to like send it overseas and then wait months and hope that it comes out okay in one try. But yeah, it's his daughter that is like, oh. Daddy Luke got away from the baby monitor. Got to find him. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing back in this animation studio? What are you doing? Oh, got to put a stop to that. Yeah. I love that when she got in control of filmation, the first thing she did was shut it down. <laughs> Don't I'm you? Cut, I'm cutting it down. What are you doing? Nothing. Nothing. I'm getting all these crazy phone calls <laughs> saying you're making a perverted movie. Get away from that storyboard. I'm cutting it down right now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I got dinner coming, so I got to get going. All right, good night. Good night.